all CEOs, me included, we don't actually know what we're doing. They're all sharks, so all you got to do, though, is no shark bait. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. <laughs> we can capture all of the wallet share. First place you start is with the product. That's just the first nut. This is the Capital Stack. Hey, everybody, this is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack podcast, where I talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation in startups. I'm a little late today. I was in uh, couples therapy, which I feel is just like this big platform for my wife to blast me. <laughs> but um, anyway, I think it's working. I'm like one of those guys that like is just shitty enough of a husband not to divorce. <laughs> right. So today I'm with marketing guru and savant, uh, Anthony Canada, who was former CMO of Gainsight, which was the vintage category maker of customer success platforms and management. And now Anthony is working on something new, something very exciting, which we're going to talk to him today about. Anthony, how are you doing? And are you married? Are you in in couples counseling? Uh, Doing well. I am married actually tomorrow. No, Wednesday is our nine year wedding anniversary. So uh, no couples therapy yet, but we'll Shit. see. We'll God see. damn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're all different, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Nine years straight. Not right, one right. session. Uh, actually, I think there's one session, right. but it was more for me, I think, yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's always about Yeah, it's actually more for my <laughs> therapy that she just had a, uh, she had a seat issue. into. Yeah, <laughs> she, had a tri- she triangulated <laughs> you into, into therapy. Exactly, exactly. Cool, man. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, so good of you to be here. Why yeah. don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and yeah. what you're working on? Yeah, so um, you, know, you mentioned this, but I'm sort of a career marketing operator for, for most of my career in uh, the B2B context. And so was at a company called Gainsight for about seven years. We, we built that from basically a pre-revenue SaaS business to about a hundred million of error when I was there. Um, oh, ended so up you leaving. were in the beginning. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of, that was the first marketer. I think it was employee number like 14 or something to that end. Oh wow. Okay. Um, so fairly, fairly early. And you know, that was an incredible journey of just understanding how content and events and kind of thought leadership in general is an accelerator for not just like building a great brand, but actually for driving revenue and driving growth. Uh, and so that was a big part of our kind of experience at Gainsight through that, actually creating this, this, this industry, as you mentioned, this category around customer success. Um, I went on to a company called Front uh, in, in sort of the email collaboration space uh, before I was sort of swept off my feet by Hopin in 2020. That's right, I remember hopping. That yes. was like an, a, that was a, what was it, like an event thing? Events, yeah, yeah, exactly. And events were just so core to how we built Gainsight that a chance to like reinvent that industry, um, you know, was one that I couldn't pass up. And so, you know, we could probably do a whole podcast on, on that 14 month period of my life. But, you know, one of the things that I noticed that I wanted to bring into front and bring into Hopin was that same idea of how can we build thought leadership as a brand in B2B, in SaaS, right? In an industry that talks a lot about product-led growth and kind of, you know, efficiency and all these things. 
but we don't often talk about brand and we don't talk about building this emotional relationship with our audience. Because it's hard. Uh, It's hard and historically we couldn't even measure that. Like it's like sounds good in theory, but how do you actually talk to the board, talk to the CFO about, you know, building a brand engine. And in my experience, nothing was more important to Gainsight success than this, than establishing that thought leadership with our audience. Um, and so at Front and, and Hopin- Is that because it's a slow burn? It, it, in the organic sense it is, in mm-hmm. that if you're, if you're doing it through SEO, sure, because you need to create enough content that Google's gonna index it and eventually drive enough qualified traffic to the site. Um, and that takes time. You're relying on third-party algorithms that you don't control to actually do that processing. So that, that all takes time. But I think you can build an audience if you have a direct kind of owned relationship with them a little bit faster. Um, because look at us here, we're creating content in the way people consume content. People listen to podcasts. We're not writing for just an algorithm. We're, we're creating No one listens experience. to this podcast, no. by the oh, way. Oh, really? Oh, good. Okay. You're, you're speaking, so we can say anything. Then. You're speaking into a vacuum. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's but, like a black hole, dude. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> we can just reveal it all. Um, no, so, you know, so, so basically this was something that I wanted to bring into front and hop in and, um, wanted to find some uh, thinking by now there has to be some innovation in how we build an audience in B2B. How can we use podcasting and video and live events to actually convict an audience, but then actually get them to subscribe to our brand directly. And then how do we understand that engagement data around how our audience is actually engaging with our content in order to help inform business outcomes and just thinking that there's got to be something off the shelf that does this. Turns out there wasn't. So in uh, February of 2021, I guess technically March was when we officially started, um, jumped out of the operator role, became a founder, uh, started this company called Audience Plus, and we're basically building the platform to go do that. That's awesome. <laughs> so we're excited. How, how, does that, how does that manifest itself? Yeah, a couple ways. So the sort of like front end between a brand, at least in the B2B context, especially in an audience, is typically the blog. And the blog has not evolved since like the CMS was first introduced, right? In the early ni- 1990s or whenever that was. WordPress, right? WordPress. Which they just raised around. I was like, I yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> but, saying, but who the fuck was that, right? <laughs> still. And the product has not changed no. since But it's dope. So. I mean, like. It does stuff. I mean, like it does stuff. It's SMB. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Yeah. Like it can cater to the SMB and still stay relevant because of the plugins. But because, yeah. of, the, because of the plugins, you're like, every, they, every, how everyone sells against is yeah. like, oh, it's the, it's a security risk, blah, right, blah, 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 right. blah. But you still can do a gazillion things more than Absolutely. you could on Squarespace. Yeah, exactly. And right. if you've used, you know, WordPress for the last decade, building your SEO authority and all of that, mm-hmm. like it's it's a difficult proposition to, to leave that. But what we found is that it, it, WordPress has been pretty good for like building websites. But in terms of content, there's this idea of a blog and blogs mm-hmm. have posts that are meant for written content, but there's nothing for video. There's nothing for podcasts. There's nothing for hmm. creating exclusive content experiences for cohorts of your audience. Hmm. Um, and so it's where it's, you can own your own audience, where you can own your own audience. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we're starting with is like, okay, so the front end has to be improved. And so we need to replace the CMS or at least carve out the content portion of your website from your WordPress or Webflow instance or whatever, and replace it with what we're calling an owned media platform, which on the front end looks like Netflix for your brand. It has Again, video, podcast content, all these things, you can set some content as exclusive, folks subscribe. There's some light, you know, you can do live streaming directly into your your, um, website. And the benefit is you get all of this first party data that today is lost on YouTube or Spotify or LinkedIn. Totally. You don't get access to any of that stuff. Totally. Yeah. I look at my stuff and I'm like, I don't care that my people are like in what state they are. Right. I want to know who exactly is exactly. looking at my podcast. So that's the core idea is like, we will still advocate for rented channels like Spotify and others for like 
getting the word out, being where our audience is, but using those channels, very much like consumer media companies use those channels to drive traffic to their owned property or drive towards this idea of a subscription, which in B2B, we, we don't have this notion of a subscription. Like if you go look at any uh, B2B website, the average conversion rate is about 1.1 to 1.5%. And the reason is we're pushing people to like get demo, talk to sales or try the product. And if you're in market, that's great. But the 98.3% or whatever of your, of your other traffic bounces because we're not giving them anywhere else to go. There's no value. There's no value at all. But consumer media companies have a 10% conversion rate because they're leading with subscription. They're leading with value. I think the premise of the show. And that's where I think we miss is like we have a chance to 10x our web conversions by building a relationship with an audience, owning our distribution of our content into that audience, and then looking at the data and seeing who's really showing the right signals of being a potential customer or, you know, uh, warrant a commercial outreach for us. And that's, I think, the future versus just relying on paid media, which is expensive, kind of navigate algorithms that we can't control in these other rented channels. We have to own our own destiny as, as brand builders. And I think this is what's going to help us do that. So what kind of first party data can you receive yeah. if, let's say, I put the capital stack on? What, yeah. what, 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 what would I be able to view? So you'll be able to get, um, obviously, their email, which mm-hmm. is kind of the unique identifier. How did they find you? So what are the sources that actually drove folks to the platform? Was That's it LinkedIn? Yeah. Was it Google? Was it, they heard something on Spotify? Um, and then what uh, gets really interesting is looking at that data in aggregate. So what topics are, were they interested in? Our, our conversation here might be around own media. You know, uh, uh, some of your other episodes might have been around, you know, partner marketing or partner revenue or, or all these kind of different topics. And we can start building effectively like a machine learning model that sits behind your content to understand your audience. And so you can say that this unique individual cares about these six topics and they listen to podcasts more than re- uh, reading blog posts, those sorts of things. And then over time, you marry that, if you're a software business at least, with your CRM metrics and you, or your CRM data. And you say, well, people who care about these topics end up uh, having a higher propensity to move through our content uh, right. program. And, and become you can a cross-reference that with data that you get on Zoom Info and exactly. like, you know, business titles. That's right. Right. So That's I right. guess the, the, the linchpin is you get the email. It all starts with the email. I think we've tried to kill email in B2B forever. Uh, mm-hmm. Slack was the end of email, right? But email, email lives on. It's still like the primary <laughs> you currency. You can't get rid of email. Uh, so we believe that's sort of the, it's kind of like sacred space for people, like your inbox, right? But things like Substack and, and others have shown that in the consumer world, like, you know, email lives on as the primary way to build relationship. So I think Substack is a great parallel. Yeah. Right. From on the blog space, like their positioning, I believe is like, hey, we're not, you're going to allow to own your own audience. That's right. <laughs> right. We can't, we're not going to pull you off the platform. Yeah. This is you, this is yours. And you can actually monetize it if you so yep. choose to do. Right. Yep. And, you know, I think they've tried to do some podcasting stuff as well. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Like for me and, you know, it's interesting about them and like, and what, and what I would think about like the counter, if I was to strong man, your, your value proposition, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, you're leaving a lot of money on the table because you're not on the platforms that Web2 sure. has done. However, that being said, yeah. Spotify has started building out like their, you know, whatever they call it. And now people are finding me on Substack. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like I'm getting like people that literally the source of generation is the Substack website. So huh. like in itself, they're starting, and you can now like reference 
other people's sub stacks in your sub stack. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, it's not this like one siloed piece of like, you know, of, totally. uh, of, of communication. Now people with on that platform, it's almost becoming another web too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But like with a different kind of market positioning. For sure. And I think for creators, like it makes a ton of sense. Like, you know, but that's not our market at all, but the sense of, right. you know, you're building your creator brand, building your followership, whatever, you know, things like Substack make a ton of sense. The disconnect, I think, for B2B brands is how, one, integrated into the, the web experience this has to be. Like, has to be. We care about driving people to the site, driving conversions, and that's sort of core to inbound marketing or just, you know, in general to, to digital demand gen. Um, second is the integration with things like Marketo and HubSpot. Like, Substack's not going to go build like no. a Salesforce no. integration, right? They no. might. But um, it's probably not their, their focus. So that's where I think there's room for, for sort of innovation beyond to kind of taking lessons from the creator world, the consumer world, because every B2B marketer wants to be a, a consumer marketer. Mm-hmm. And so we see the sort of change happening to consumer buying patterns and consumer content consumption patterns. But then we're off writing white papers and, and when we go to work or we're off like, you know, doing these things that are archaic by nature. And so I think that's where this this interest is coming to actually consumerize how we go to market, even in the B2B context. And it's all about the owned relationship in that, in that way. So give me an example of like how a B2B company, let's call it whatever you make the example would integrate this into their workflow and like how like a customer, one of their customers would your customer's customer would come and how like your product is positioned within the marketing stack, which is, you know, fairly, you know, sizable at this point. So that we've got a, uh, I won't name names, but a $7 billion SaaS business, public company, um, has tried to generate demand over the last, you know, several years here and is sort of like running out of juice. Like the old tactics aren't working. Um, and so what they've decided to do is to embrace this kind of like showrunner mentality for marketing. And so they took their campaigns team that run reports into demand gen and they've rebranded them as audience marketing managers. And it's a multi-product company that sells to different kind of buying centers. And so each AMM is responsible for a different persona and they get budget to go and produce a bunch of shows to engage that audience um, up and down kind of the funnel. And is that just you know, educational stuff? Educational, inspirational, entertainment, becoming a lifestyle brand for whatever that persona is. And we're talking like, we're not talking about selling to marketers. We're talking, you know, fairly traditional industries here that don't right. have their kind of podcast of record or these types of things. Um, and so the belief is for them, the traditional MQL that we've kind of, you know, talked about in years isn't the right metric anymore to measure a leading indicator to pipeline or to, to revenue. Instead, it's audience engagement. And so they're effectively going to be using the data set that Audience Plus is collecting to score their accounts that are engaging with all of this content universe that they're creating for each of their audiences. Now, some of that engagement happens in the rented channels, like in YouTube, in you know LinkedIn, all these other places. But think of that as sort of like short form clips that are meant to like capture the attention, Correct. but then drive people to the owned property to actually watch the full episode, listen to the full episode, that sort of thing. How do you do that without them like, like, like algoing that away? Oh yeah. It's fun. I mean, that's gotta be like a whack-a-mole, right? It's a little, yeah. You gotta <laughs> learn the nuances, right? right? I mean, that's just, that's yeah. the business though, right? It's really annoying. Yeah. It's so <laughs> annoying. Like These I, fuckers. I know yeah. I'm like a traditional B2B marketer and now I'm putting this like creator hat on, like trying right. to hack the LinkedIn algorithm. Like I'm sure I'm shadow banned at this point. But like, you don't want... Well, that was from your Trump shit that you were posting. <laughs> you know, I mean, you were really active oh, in that. that. That really got... Yeah. That, that pissed a lot of people <laughs> that off. That pissed a lot of people off how, you know, how yeah. crazy you were 
you're being with your pro Trump stuff. That's right. That's right. No. So that, that's, I think, uh, a reality is that the, you know, we need to realize what creators have somewhat realized already that these algorithms are not for us. Like there's actually misalignment between our intention on these platforms and their intention. They're using our data, our audience, our content to sell advertising at the end of the day. So if we think about LinkedIn and these other channels as kind of two different aspects, one is paid media kind of channels for us to amplify our content that we have in our hosted platforms. Great. That's actually how they're designed to work. Um, and then there's this sort of art, you know, that we're sort of joking around here, this art of like hacking the algorithm, building, you know, what Rand Fishkin's calling algorithmic capital within LinkedIn and then depreciating that down by linking out to your kind of owned property and then building it back up again and then linking out. That's what it's going to be. That's the game. It's going to be like this goodwill, yeah. right? Balance of, yeah. of all that stuff. And if you play by the rules, you're going to get ranked higher if you don't That's play right. by the rules. So I always link out to Substack and they fucking hate yeah. me. Yeah, oh, they don't right? like that. No, they no, don't no. like that. But no. they'll, you know, the guys that post in the LinkedIn blogs, they'll do. I should just, yeah. they should just join them and post some LinkedIn. <laughs> like, I don't, what am I going to do with the email list? You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm not selling anything. Yeah, good point, good point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, super cool. So, like, I can understand from a user experience how this would be different. Um, and you, this is you taking me to school a little bit. Yeah. I've seen also a lot of podcast websites mm -hmm. where you subscribe to like the quote unquote RSS feed. Yeah. So what is the RSS feed? Like, I don't even know what yeah. that is. It's like a code or something. Yeah. RSS is like a means of distribution and syndication of your podcast in all of the platforms. And we'll, we'll offer a feature for that. Um, but you use things like Podbean or Anchor or Lisbon. There's so many of these things, which upload your like audio file to and then it just like sends it to all of these different places it does that by generating an rss feed that then these players kind of can can collect and pick up um but can people subscribe directly into your podcast from through home? rss i think i think there's like reader notions of like rss readers and that sort of thing that, right that, that, but you're still going through somebody else yeah you're well well the, the if somebody is going on spotify and looking for your podcast then great like right. that, that, that's there. That's effectively like a, like a directory more than yeah. it is a network. But as you know, Spotify is like recommending podcast episodes, you know, their charts, their lists, all those types of things from like a discovery perspective, it's a rented algorithm, uh, you know, effectively that you're, you're up against as well as a creator. Yeah. So who is the best at which B2B company is the best at creating this kind of content yeah. universe? The one that's coming, I think this is all fairly new, um, but the one that comes to mind is HubSpot, giving them some yeah, credit. Yeah. They acquired the hustle, you know, and they're producing a lot of uh, original programming. They've got a podcast creator kind of, or not a podcast, I think it's just a creator network and accelerator that they've started building. How much building. did they buy that thing for? Do you know? I don't remember, yeah. but it was, it was big numbers, but it was also like media company big numbers. Right. Which, so, you, so you have a lot of like actual, you know, mid to late stage SaaS businesses that are acquiring media companies because the margins are actually quite good. Didn't PartnerStack acquire it? Uh, they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And like that couldn't have been, how I many, that was like three no. years old or something? Yeah. Uh, one year old. <laughs> one year old. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how big of that distribution could have been? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they did pretty good. I mean, rel I mean, it's a very niche market for sure. Right. But they did pretty good. I mean, I think that what you're getting is like partially the distribution to your point. And right. I think that's sort of the currency for the traditional media business. But you're also getting this talent of like creators that understand both how to produce content, how to chop it up into these short form kind of, you know, bits, then how to get distribution in rented channels. That's the art that like 
not me, but like the generation after me, like just is native to like I'm TikTok for me is still like a foreign language Dude, to figure TikTok. out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I watch that. That's like mainline in heroin. I can't watch it. You know what I mean? Like I watch yeah. it and I'm just like the endorphins are. Going. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. That shit is good. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they figured it out and everyone's like, oh, you, you know, Instagram can co copy TikTok bullshit. You yeah, know what I mean? They've like, got something that algo is there and that user experience is yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. But how do you get out? Like, you know, we, I know, a number but you're of right. There's a whole business around repurposing stuff yeah. and making it good and finding yeah. the right stuff. And like the thing is, is a guy like me who's got a venture capital for like, I'm not putting a creator as my primary business. Sure. That's why I don't put podcaster <laughs> or anything like this. I don't want to be known as the podcast right, guy. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I yeah. want to be known as an investor on a side note. If you want to know a little bit more about me or, yeah. you know, then, you know, you can listen to the podcast. But, yeah. um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, that whole piece of the business, which is so necessary is yeah. so arduous. Yeah, it really is. And yet native to the younger generation. So, I mean, I think we're going to see like creators coming in house and again, they're not just doing mm -hmm. production just like this, but they got the eye for it. They know how to get you the like millions of views on that TikTok video with like three followers. Do you know who does that? No, Red Point VC. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen them? Uh, I saw the old, I mean, Tomash back in the day. Like I think he right. just, just moved on, but they're, are did they on TikTok? Really? Uh, so they hired like an in-house content oh, guy. They did? Right, and it, the shit's hilarious, nice. right? Like they have a guy who like pretends he's a VC, right? <laughs> and like he's an actor, right? Yeah, yeah. And like he'll pretend like, you know, he's like, you know, saying like what a VC says, oh, you know, how can I be helpful, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, but not yeah. Mean. And so like he, it's just all these like, satirical right <laughs> satirical like you yeah. know type of like goofs on the business oh, i gotta check that out oh dude yeah he's awesome good, good um yeah so he's actually he's doing it and i've actually seen a couple of other vcs that are starting yeah. to start to do the tiktok thing it's crazy it's i mean it's wild because and we haven't cracked it yet because we're putting like short form clips from our long form like podcasts or video series on on tiktok and we'll get like some pretty decent traction but then you got people that are producing shows just for tiktok and they have like no followers, but they get hundreds of thousands or millions of likes because the algorithm just picks it up. And that's an art, like figuring out how to do that. And it's, it's kind of like a foreign language, I think, for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. And the problem is, is I talked to this guy and he was, a, I think he's an angel investor and he's a content creator on the investor side. Mm. Um, and he's got a YouTube channel called Dumb Money. Mm. And it's actually like, it's, it's really funny. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's really, really funny. And, you know, I... You know, I saw him years ago before COVID and when he was just launching and he grew exponentially and I saw him again recently after COVID and he was telling me that, you know, since TikTok came about, like he has the inability to uh, consume long form. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like just rewired the brain. He just rewired the brain. Wow. Which he's like, well, it's kind of a good thing because I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Damn, scary future. You can see so much, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. like there's, there's second and third order problems with that. Yeah. Like, you know, how do you, I mean, dude, like I was starting to have it too. Like I was like, yeah. I'm retraining my brain to read a book. Yeah, like, totally. You know, because I was, you know, I'm a short form guy, like, yeah. you know, but having, having that staying power is, is difficult. Where do you yeah. see kind of the puck going for long form versus short form? It's a good question. I mean, there's only so much you can do in 60 seconds, right? 90 seconds. So, I mean, I think there's, there's value to longer things. I think, I think at the top of the funnel, you know, thinking about, ways to capture attention short form does a pretty good job you know if you're like scrolling the tiktok feed or if you're on linkedin and you see something you know um it it, it kind of stops you in your tracks a little bit but i think that the further down funnel you go there's this sort of like desire for a couple things one is kind of deeper education and so you know i, I think that 
having podcast episodes like this are important because people are going to be listening and they want to hear the whole thing. You know, they might've been drawn in from a clip that you put published on LinkedIn or something, but they'll stick around to hear the whole, the whole conversation. Um, but what I'm also finding is like even further down funnel, there's this like, like media and content do a great job of like bringing an audience in, but things like events still work to actually get folks. Dude, I love events. Events are huge. Yeah, dude, events have gotten, I mean, people have forgotten the value yeah. of events. Yeah, because we, at our like, you know, social psychological level, like we care about connection and being able to build relationship in person. It's so hard to do it online. Um, you can in a way, but I think content and media can help with that, whether it's short form or long form, but like, people really want to get together and they want to compare notes. They want to, you know, shake hands. And I think that, uh, uh, events are a core part of the sort of the owned media kind of, you know, playbook as, as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, the reason I bring that up is it feels like that's almost a good, like anti example to short form. It's, it's like, or it's the opposite end of that. Spectrum. Yeah. That's like super long. Yeah. Time. <laughs> it's like get on a plane and spend a week. Right. Like that's, that's a oh, commitment. Like a, yeah. An experiential or yeah, yeah. exactly. Or <laughs> right. virtual events right. too. But I, those things yeah. suck. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, yeah. I'm not at Hoppin anymore, so no. I can, I can say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. But there's Hoppin some, was there like early, right? I mean, like they were, oh, yeah. yeah, they were before. I remember we used to, t- <laughs> we used the Hoppin app for the Allbound conference where I think 10 oh, people yeah, went yeah, to. Yeah. Remember that? I remember that. I remember that. God, what a shit show the company was, wasn't it? You were on the board of that. I was we involved. I know the founder really well. Yeah. I know the founder really yeah, well. Yeah, that yeah. was, uh, we, we sold that thing. Oh, that's right. Everyone made money. Good. Believe it or not. Good, good, yeah, good. That that's was. Awesome. I don't think the Canal Partners guys couldn't have not made a mistake till like the final like day. Like even like at the, the, the closing, we were fucking up, you know, <laughs> that and falling down. It was unbelievable. Oh gosh. But everyone, including the employees made money. That's awesome. Yeah. You'd so love to hear that. yeah. And you know, it definitely took a lot more work than we thought it was, but you know, yeah. that turned out to be actually a really good company. Good, 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 good. Which talks about, you know, I mean, partner led growth. Yeah. The which, thought leadership from, yeah, the, from so, the founding days. Yeah. So so what are you, what are you seeing in that? What are the trends in B2B besides the content Partners? creation? Yeah. What are you thinking is like, where, how should B2B think about, Yeah. you know, going to market now? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll admit the, I've been keeping sort of the audience building and engagement hat on quite dude, a bit. I think, I think that, there's, dude, there's, but like, all right, so let's talk about that. So one more second. Yeah. So like if I'm an early stage company, I get seed funding, I get two or 3 million bucks. Like, yeah. like what is the, where's the best ROI? Like, where yeah. do I, how do I think about that? And like, you know, where should I be from you know, this budget to that budget. Like, how do you think about that kind I mean, of stuff? It kind of depends on what you're trying to do, right? Like, yeah. I think if you're, if, if you're trying to build a demand engine, um, you know, things like paid media are transactional channels to grow and it's like a never ending pit and you're competing against folks that are outbidding no, you. Yeah. So it's not fuck that. that yeah. That's, that's probably a, that's the a antithesis. bad place to start. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. That's the antithesis. You don't want to yeah. pay traffic to your audience. Yeah, like, totally. So I think actually, you know, so for example, we've been, again, uh, depending on what time, when, when this episode airs, you know, we've been in we're markets in, in since October. Caps, yeah, we're in a capsule yeah, of time. We're in a capsule. I know. <laughs> when, what is real right now? We what, don't know. Yeah. We're, we're either in the future or in the past. It doesn't matter. It's blowing my mind. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been basically building content, uh, both from an SEO perspective, as well as uh, kind of, you know, media kind of strategy perspective. Um, zero dollars of paid spend. We've built an audience of about 2000 subscribers at, at the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and partners were a big part of that and happy to talk about, uh, that element, but that, you know, if we had a product to sell them at the time of this recording, like, you know, that's 2000 potential people that we'd be reaching out to and looking for signals in the data and, you know, hopefully kind of start sparking conversation. So I think there's this myth that, um, if you're an early stage startup, if you're a single marketer or whatever, you know, 
you can't do this until you have, you know, 200 grand for an agency engagement to like just get six episodes out the door. It's not true at all. You can get started pretty quickly and pretty cheap. And because you're developing content that's authentic and you're focused on that, you'll get a pretty quick feedback loop for people that are interested in hearing more from you. And for us, it's been great to test messaging. It's been great to drive new ideas for the product, for the roadmap, because we're sort of building empathy as our would-be customers. Um, And so I'm super biased, but honestly, it's what we did at Gainsight. It's what we were doing at Front, building an audience, using content, focusing on brand and organic. Like that is the most efficient way to grow in in, in my experience. Is the best person to like to, I mean, is is Mr. Beast like the best example for this? Oh, he's modeled it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a a machine. Yeah. That's what makes it so, to me, kind of like this... This doesn't, this is de-risked a bit. Like you asked the best B2B, B2B examples. I came up with one, right? HubSpot. There aren't many yet, but we see proof points all over industry. It's just not ours yet. We see what it's Mr. Coming. Beast has done. Yeah, exactly. Substack is, and, and Patreon and others are sort of like democratizing that experience. What's, it's um, on trend, right? Totally. It's on trend. Totally. I mean, nobody wants to pay Google and Facebook anymore. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's talking about ChatGPT. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that ChatGPT is just going to make more shitty content. That's right. <laughs> you <laughs> you know got it. I mean? might take some of that t- table stakes SEO stuff out of the door, which is right. nice. But then Google's going to get wise to that. And, right. and, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to have more inauthentic content <laughs> yeah. that people are going to make. And, right. You know, how I think about authentic content is you have to enjoy it. Yeah. Right. And the second that it becomes work, mm-hmm. then it's not cool. Right. Right. You've lost your way. kind of. You've thing. lost your way. And so for me, like if there's like a Venn diagram of like, like long, short, valuable, mm-hmm. like I'm definitely not valuable and not long. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I do <laughs> yeah. it consistently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, and, cadence is, I wrote a whole thing about this. I think cadence is actually what makes media companies work. Totally. Like just staying in the game long enough, continuing yeah. to publish, continuing to create. Totally. For sure. Totally. And like for me, that works because yeah. I can get my thoughts out. Yeah. And, you know, a guy at Venture Capitalist in town named Howard Lindzen, he told me this. He's big on Twitter mm. and he's written a blog every day. He said, do it for you. Make yeah. it a part of your routine. Make it a part of your workout. Make it a part of your totally. you know, exercise. Just get your thoughts out. And eventually these things compound. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But getting back to your question about partners, what's been really interesting is through that lens, Partners are actually massive, massive like uh, um, accelerants to building an audience because what you're effectively doing is, you know, you're able if you're able to establish some type of like co-marketing relationship with partners that are selling to the same, you know, personas or the same kind of industries that you are, you're able to bring some value to the table, be it your content itself, your thought leadership or whatever, and they're bringing their distribution to the table. And so you're marketing, co-marketing into their audience and thus extending and building your own audience as a proxy. It's a no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. Because you're giving them SEO authority. Yep. You know what I mean? And like, they don't want to do the work anyway. Exactly. So like, I just have <laughs> yeah. to show up to this, send a couple of emails and yeah. you know, great, like I'm in. Yeah, what do I have to do? Exactly. You know, and you get all that distribution because they're not doing the work because they're a lower margin business generally, totally. right? If you're especially selling into MSPs or yeah. resellers yeah. or whatever. So like- Absolutely. Makes no sense. They're getting the exposure. That's right. And so that, that I found to be extremely helpful for, for audience building. Yeah. That's smart. And we see that by the way, right? We see in the consumer context, this idea of like collabs, collaborations, like brands with like influencers. It's like the same thing. There's like (laughs) nothing new here. Right. But I think just we're seeing the convergence of consumer and, and, and B2B, I think. And, um, I think companies that are investing in this, um, can, can stand out. I see it. Peers. I see it. I see yeah. the vision. Cool. Well, a couple can questions. Anthony, what is your favorite book? 
Oh man. There's a book called uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry that I'm reading. I think hurry is the, um, the biggest, uh, contributor to burnout. Um, and, and in startups, we talk a lot about speed, but, um, I know yeah. you never, you never hear a start. We need to go fast. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. No, no one's funding anything right now. No one is. Right. <laughs> so, but there's a difference, right? Between speed and hurry. Speed is like, we got to move quickly and like, you know, speed of execution type yeah, of thing. Hurry is a cultural thing. Yeah, exactly. And it leads to burnout and it leads to personal kind of, uh, so this book is actually approaching it from the personal context, not business, but I'm learning a lot as like a leader and executive and father and husband and all these things. And how can I create margin in my own life so that I can show up at work um, mm-hmm. and be a little less hurried? So, you know, we talk about email being sacred and everything. So there was a, I'm reading a book right now called like how to invest. It was, mm. you know, built by a creator, right? Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. not the, not the book, but it was, you know, it was um, distributed and kind of advertised through this creator liquidity, which is kind mm. of like, you know, finance, venture capital, private equity uses a lot of memes. It's funny. Yeah. Um, but they were t- interviewing a guy named Ron Barron, who's from Barron Mutual Funds. Never heard okay. of him, but he's consistently beat the S&P about 5% every year, wow. right, after fees. So he's a pretty sharp guy. And he states he does not have email. Oh, really? Yeah, just doesn't have it. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, dude, good yeah. for him. And I don't know how you survived that yeah. guy, but he... Um, he states, I don't have time to think about the markets if, wow. I, if I'm if i constantly playing that game. And I think there's yeah. some truth to that. I, I totally agree. You I know, totally agree. Can't, you can't have your ideas. Yeah. Yep, yep. Best piece of business advice you've ever gotten? I mean, it's, I don't remember the quote exactly, but that, that our careers are all about our relationships. Mm. Um, I know it sounds really maybe cheesy and on the nose a little bit, it's, but it's there. You know, I think about, you know, the, the opportunities that I, were, I was given by people that went before me and, and trusted me or took a chance on me. And as I'm sort of kind of maturing in my career, like seeing those same opportunities for folks kind of coming after. Um, and just, I, I think that I wouldn't have had nearly the opportunities I have certainly not to start a company, like forget about that, getting funded, like whatever. Um, had I not developed and maintained relationships along the way. And as an introvert, it's kind of hard for me to do that. It's not just my natural, um, you know, bias to be a great, like, you know, stay in touch person, Mm -hmm. but man, just having the value for relationships, um, really extending yourself to, to develop them and maintain them. And you gotta want to do it. You gotta want to do it. Yeah. Not, not, not from a, as I'm saying this out loud, it sounds like from a self-serving way, but genuinely wanting to do it. Well, and I think that has to come to like, you need to work with people that you want to work with. Yeah. Right. Like don't reach out to the guy that bores the shit out of you. (laughs) Right. Because it's not a fun experience. You know what I mean? Like I want to talk to this person again. Yep. Not because they would necessarily excel me or accelerate me, but just because, dude, I just really like that guy. Yeah. He's kind of somewhat paralleling me, right? You know, right. doing that stuff. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining in. Um, we have a episode every Tuesday on all your major platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and uh, Apple, soon to be Audience Plus. I was going to say, we'll get you an Audience Plus. Soon. <laughs> yeah, I want to be, be a beta user. Let's do it. Okay. Um, and uh, you can, if you like it, subscribe. Tell a friend. Uh, we will um, definitely love to, to have you on. So uh, thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.